welcome to the Bro Nova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, so so Patrick, you were just talking about the drinking culture in Italy, and it reminded me a lot of in the United States. I thought that maybe, you know, United States has a uniquely binge drinking culture, but it sounds like that drinking to excess is maybe more international than I than I had previously thought. Well, yeah, actually, the thing is, in Italy, it's um, it, it didn't used to be this way at all. It used to be way more like moderate, but more pervasive. Like it would be. Alcohol will be around a lot of situations, like even lunch. I mean, going out in Italy for lunch and having wine is absolutely normal. It has been that way forever. But the thing is, what uh, came in is more like nighttime, like really cheap alcohol solutions. Like you could get uh, cocktails that were like one liter cocktails and stuff like that, which is something that only came in, well, when I, when I was drinking, when I was like 16, 17, didn't used to be that, that way. It used to be like pubs where you go get like pints and stuff, mm-hmm. but that would basically be it. You could get a long drink, but it would be fairly expensive. So for young people, it wasn't that accessible. You know, what happened later is these things just kept on dropping in price and dropping and dropping and dropping. And they would open up like 24 hour convenience stores where you could grab like beers, like 66 uh, centiliter beers, like really big for a euro or less than a euro. And that is accessible to anyone. And I think that got way more like fast paced. It would be a lot more drinking in the nighttime and mix that with like club culture and going out for basically getting smashed and then going to clubs and dance. It definitely changed. Uh, I saw it as I was growing up and I was a part of that, uh, kind of like a, a bit of a product of that environment, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And so it sounds like maybe like, in accordance with globalization or, you know, like a more international supply chain, everything becoming a little less expensive, but like what years were this and what else was going on in Italian culture, Italian history? So, uh, it was around, I would say 2006 because it was the years of like, uh, they had the Olympics here and I'm, I'm from Turin in Italy and they had the winter Olympics here. And I remember it was around that period. Uh, so it was like transformation, as in Italy uh, has always been like very like a historical uh, place. Everywhere you go, you can see like amazing buildings and stuff. But they've been definitely trying to modernize it and to make it like more on a European standard, especially in the north of Italy. So that definitely can be felt. Also in the food, like food in Italy used to be very regional, used to be very, let's say, healthy. Uh, but then there, of course, has been a big push, which I don't think has succeeded completely. Like the you, you still have the vast majority of food is still pretty authentic and pretty good, to be honest. But you definitely have like the McDonald's and all that kind of influx. So it definitely felt the influx, I think, also in the drinking culture, maybe a bit taking from the UK more. UK is very heavy on binge drinking and just going out and getting extremely hammered. Uh, whereas I think for like my parents, it wasn't that way. Like they were, uh, I don't think they used to drink that much, to be honest. Like they would maybe, they would say things about like maybe having some hangovers sometimes, but it would be a pretty rare occasion. That's what I, that's what I take from it. Yeah. I just asked that cause it's kind of interesting to trace it back to the, like for each country or each culture, there probably is like a a documented starting point of binge drinking. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like transition from casual to like just getting really drunk. I know in the U S at least my, my parents, it was around Mm. my mom's uh, family. It was a bigger family and Uh they were in kind of a much, uh, a very like social kind of neighborhood. And there was definitely a lot of that um, as teenagers, I guess, but, but yeah, I mean, it's so interesting we were talking about how that just becomes part of the culture and it's not really questioned. But so you have obviously uh if anyone's seen your stuff, you have a journey you went through with alcohol, but before we get to that, you know, what was it like growing up as a kid? What kind of kid were you? You know, what were your hobbies? And this was in Turin? Yeah, uh so basically my father's from Turin, my mother's from uh, Australia, from Melbourne. 
So uh, I, I live here in Turin, but I used to spend like two months every, let's say, year or two years going to Australia. So in the summer, we'll just go down to Australia. So I was exposed to these two things. And actually, I had a pretty unconventional uh, childhood, as in it was things that in the moment I thought uh, I, I was viewed them a bit as weird. Like we would have like a, a, a van, like, you know, now van life is extremely popular. Well, basically, my parents had a van, and when we weren't going to Australia, we would be in the van for Sweet. even there, like two months, two months out of a year. It would be like in Greece on a beach. So, uh, pretty amazing childhood, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Also, because in Italy, all the beaches are, pr are private, so you have like big like um, place where you have to pay, and you have to pay to access the beach, and it's something that I was never exposed to. So, it was pretty wild childhood, you know. And my parents have always been into like sports, especially my father into like ski mountaineering, windsurfing. So I was always exposed to that um, until I was around, I would say 12 or maybe 11, where I got uh, a taste of skateboarding. So I basically went to a birthday party of a friend of mine and I found this thing in a, in a garage and I just started riding it. And that was a, a skateboard. Um, started riding skateboards and snowboards and that basically became my main interest like that's all I wanted to do even when I was young um, like 14 15 I didn't have a car nobody had a car I would just on weekends in, instead of uh, staying in the city I would just get on a train go to the mountains and go snowboarding and uh, and I did that for many years and until um, I think alcohol played a big part in rating that because I started doing a lot more stuff in nightlife in uh, in Turin when I was around 19, maybe 20, 21. And it kind of like took over from going to the mountains and getting outside and doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was basically my, my childhood. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. So from what I understand, Turin is north, uh, western Italy. Yeah, exactly. Closer to, uh, to France. French-speaking Switzerland and yeah. France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it, is it a French speaking area in, in uh, not really it's um ne but next to it there's a place called val d'aosta which is like just a bit more north where they actually kind of speak uh even a different language it's not, it's not even french it's a mixture between uh, various languages um but yeah it's very close to france so uh you can just take a train an hour then you can cycle up a, a mountain and you'll be in france like super easy or you go to the sea you can go to france it's it's pretty amazing yeah that's awesome, man. Do you, do you still snowboard these days? Uh, uh, not that much because it's uh, the risk versus reward right now at this moment in my life where the most important thing is not getting injured. It's fairly, it fairly leans towards the injury aspect. So it's like right now not that much, but I did go out with my dad uh, a couple of weeks ago during uh, Christmas holidays for like some ski mountaineering and it's, re it's amazing. It's really, really nice. I like it a lot. Only the cold. I can't I really stand the cold. People. Yeah, you like the cold. Yeah, that's fair. No, I don't like the cold. Those people <laughs> who can like not like who can only go hundred percent. Like that's what it sounds like. If you're worried about injuries, you definitely one hundred. I am, and it's something that I'm really working on. But it's so hard. It's yeah. like it's always either black or white, and it's uh, either we ride for a hundred kilometers or we don't ride. Like that's the thing. And I mean, that is a big personality trait that has always been there all the time. Like when I was a kid, found the skateboard. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to skateboard all the time. And when I used to get injured, all I was thinking about was how do I get back to do that? So that's always, always really... been that way. You too? Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, playing rugby. Ah, okay. Yeah. And, but I, I was never at the high, the high enough level where I couldn't do it casually because I have... Uh -huh. Like, say if I'm in, like, a tennis phase, I'll ask friends, oh, let's play tennis. And they're like, oh, no, dude, like, I used to be really good, and I just won't do it now. Yeah. Unless I'm going to be excellent or at that level again. It's just going to piss me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we can't just rally the ball, like. <laughs> cool. Well, awesome, man. So, and then when I, I came across your YouTube channel, because um, I'm doing this uh, six-week, well, I'm trying to quit drinking alcohol but I'm just starting it with a time bound thing because I think that's a little more realistic. I don't want to, you know, just make a big like proclamation and then yeah, definitely. I, definitely is the root of that. Um, but you made a video about, um, kind of why you changed your life 
to not drink and how it changed your life and really interesting effects of how it changed some relationships around you. Yeah. Your internal dialogue, how you spend your time. So what made you initially think about making that lifestyle change? So here is a really crazy, crazy story that I haven't actually put in the videos because I didn't really know how to frame it. So I, I realized that I needed to stop drinking when I, I, I didn't even uh, finish high school. I hadn't finished high school yet, and I already knew that I had to stop. And I did this by, I stopped drinking for one month because I had, I, I don't know, I'd done something like stupid. I drank too much. I, I, I realized that I had a problem and I said, okay, I'm not going to drink for a month. And I didn't drink for a month and it actually went great. Uh, but the thing is, I'm, I mean, today I'm a completely different person from when I was 19. And when I was 19, you are exposed to all the people who are around you. It was a very different moment in time. There wasn't like YouTube. There weren't all these resources out there of people who did not drink and were killing it at life. That wasn't something that you would see. Nobody, nobody was talking about this, actually. So I just went back into drinking. And actually what happened is that is when it started getting worse and worse and worse, progressively worse. Wasn't, I never had like an... Uh, I wasn't a full-blown alcoholic, as in I didn't have to wake up in the morning and drink to feel good. But I would drink like way more than a standard person. Like, I would drink probably three, four, five times a week, like basically every evening. Because also skateboarding and snowboarding really go hand in hand with it. It's something that is always there, basically. Not like to an extreme excess. I mean, maybe in snowboarding, yeah, a bit in parties, but it was always there. But I went through it. I, I would have these phases like where I would do like something really incredibly idiotic, like that I wouldn't remember. And the day after, I would maybe like, again, I knew that I had to quit. But I didn't have any positive role models. I didn't have anyone who I could look at and say, I want to be like that. So it kept on going this way until I found uh, a really, re I had a really, really big relationship with a, with a girl and the first year we were together, I was still drinking and it was okay until one moment I did something. I don't, I don't know what I did. Again, I would have these moments where I would black out in the evenings and the morning after I, I literally could not remember anything that I've done. I only remember the way she was looking at me and she was looking at me really with, um, with some, with an expression and I could kind of like read her mind and I could see that there was something there that I'd never seen before. And I knew in that moment that if I didn't change these things, if I didn't stop these things from happening, I would lose her. That is the thing that really got me saying, this is it. That was the moment I said, there is no, uh, a bit, uh, no, no, this is it. I need to stop this because it's not making my life better. And it's making me almost lose my favorite person. So that was the moment in which I just said, that's it. And from that moment on, I started like researching. I started, you know, looking up on the internet mm, how to do it or somebody who'd already done it. And it was actually fairly easy. It, not really easy, but I just made up my mind because I knew. I knew what I wanted. And especially, I knew what I didn't want. That is the fundamental thing. You need, if you don't really know what you want, you need to know what you don't want. And the thing I didn't want was to lose her. And I would have done anything not to lose her. Not because I would have, you know, been, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, but it, it wasn't like if I didn't have her, I would have gone back to drink. I don't know. But it's like that was a moment in which I had an extreme bout of clarity. And I'm so glad I had that moment because it just it completely transformed my life. It's uh, in, that, in that split second, basically. And it was easy because I knew that I, I, I wanted something so bad that I was willing to do anything else to to have, to keep on having that had she said you need to stop drinking or was that well it, the conclusion you drew it wasn't like she said it but maybe sometimes yes because sometimes i would just it wasn't even any any extreme things but i would just be the, that person who transforms a nice moment like where everybody's having fun to a moment that becomes, uh, in, in Italian we say pesante, like something that, not even boring, but it's, it's not funny anymore. Because I would drink to the point that where other people had stopped, I would just keep on going. And that oftentimes was out of place, you know? Would be out of place. Uh, and actually, since I'd been with her, 
it had already gotten way better. Oh, I was already drinking way less. But it's just, it's never one beer. It's never two beers. It's always like, it would always be 10. And eventually that thing caught up with me. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's parallel to the only being able to go super fast down the mountain. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that is, I needed like, I needed that moment in which it was either zero or 100. It's not in between. It's not sometimes you can drink, sometimes, because that's just not how I'm, how I'm wired. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, as I mentioned, I play rugby. I might retire. I might start refereeing, but I identified this past summer. We were living in the Philippines. I found this great team. Nice. Uh-huh. And so fun, like best rugby, best quality rugby I've ever played. Like it was all international teammates. So there was only a couple other Americans and everyone else was from a rugby playing country. But I noticed like for the first time, this is, this has been happening for years. Like almost immediately after the game on the field, drinks start flowing. Uh. And I'm like, <laughs> immediately cracking a beer and just like crushing a beer like the first like that and then that you know if you let it continue if i were to let it continue that way it would be the next 12 hours you could drink like that (laughs) basically this culture of just like on if you there's beer everywhere everyone has alcohol and my girlfriend was like (laughs) one day this, this, this is like this last summer she's like you know, how was the game? I'm like, good. And she's like, did you drink? I was like, yeah. She's like, how many beers did you have at the field? And I was like, I'm like, four. And she's like, what? <laughs> what? What time was it? Like in the afternoon? Oh, yeah. It's like three o'clock. Like, and she's like, Thomas, like, why the hell are you? And I, that, and I was resistant to it at first because it's an ingrained, almost like a muscle memory. You know? It's yeah, like, yeah, of course, of course. It's like, these are my friends. This is what I do. I do something hard and then you know we have the reward and this more i thought about it i was just thinking i was realizing that from from all aspects of it from a mental health perspective from a performance perspective recovery is a lot worse with alcohol sleep quality is a lot worse so bad mental health you know like uh, you probably have seen the the andrew huberman episode on alcohol yeah that's basically that, that episode is the thing I when people are because I, I agree that not everybody needs to stop drinking. But it's like mm-hmm. if somebody asks me, would this benefit me also, even if I don't have a problem, I just send them that. And then they can draw their own conclusion, you know? Totally. It's an amazing episode. So rich with information. Yeah. And the thing that really stuck out to me about that was the how someone who's who drinks you know, even occasionally when they're not drinking, their resting stress level is higher. Their yeah. cortisol levels are higher in their resting state after consuming alcohol. And that blew my mind because it's like, yeah. okay, so that's influencing your off Everything. Time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, wh- objectively, why would you want that? Would you ever want that to happen in your body? Personally, I wouldn't. I personally would sure. not want that to happen. Yeah. And so then, but the thing about this whole topic, and I was talking to some buddies, um, is cause I'm, I'm 27. I think you probably a bit older. 33 stories. 33. Yeah. So just a little bit older. Has the vaping taken off over there? Like, uh, e-cigarettes a bit, but not, not, not like the U S you don't see many people. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I don't, I don't really understand it. Like, but it must be crazy. <laughs> I know it's tough. Yeah. And what well, I was talking to one of my buddies and, and all, a lot of my friends from home, you know, vapes, they're, I, <laughs> we call them sucky sticks. <laughs> <laughs> extremely it's addicting. Like, extremely addictive. Uh. And my friends from home, like we always joke around. And so we call them sucky sticks. But what I do <laughs> is whenever I see other people who aren't from my friend group at home, my other friends who do it, I call them sucky sticks and they get really mad because <laughs> it's like kind of making fun of it. And being like, what are you doing? Um, but you know, one of my friends was talking about how he knows he shouldn't 
do it. Yeah. Because he, you know, has some health stuff. And then I came down, I realized that all of these topics, like whether it's uh, unhealthy foods, alcohol, recreational drugs, nicotine, it all comes down to self-mastery and self-control. And why does someone reach for that behavior? What are they, what are they self-medicating? And do they have the tools or courage or whatever it takes to get to the point of addressing the underlying problem? Absolutely. 100%. That is, that was absolutely what I went through. I was self-medicating for like lack of confidence, but especially lack of direction, lack of knowing actually what I wanted to do and having a, dis- a distraction because all these things are distractions. They're things that, well, they take away some stress. So alcohol takes away some stress in the form you just feel looser. You know, your brain stops stressing about stuff, even if it's temporary. But it's always about avoiding something, in my opinion. It's always about avoiding something. And oftentimes the things you are avoiding are the things that you really need to focus on. Like, for instance, I was always, uh, I was, I was never, I never really knew what my personality was. You know, I was always, I was always latching onto something. I would always be latching onto something. And I realized when, when I stopped drinking, I realized that I would always talk about what other people were doing. Like whenever I was with other people, I was always talking about what other people were doing because I found those things interesting because they were doing interesting things. And I realized that I wasn't doing like anything really interesting you know, and, and I thought, why am I not doing anything interesting that's like worth talking about? And that is because I don't know what I want. I, I do not know what I want to do. So stopping drinking really induced this clarity on addressing difficult things, you know, addressing difficult topics. Because if you keep on avoiding them, they will always linger in the back of your mind, you know. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do. And you just fall into having, you get it. You do what other people want. If you don't know what you want, you do what other people want. Mm-hmm. And I mean, self-mastery is, I, I, I really dug deep on this. Like I went deep for a year, a year and a half, two years even, like really exploring and trying to figure out what the causes of stress were in my life, what I could do to avoid them or to confront them. Because some stress builds you up, other stress doesn't. It just breaks you down more and more and more. Um, and I think a really important thing is to figure out also why we are doing things. Why we are doing things both negative and, and positive. Like, why are you making a YouTube video? Why do you feel the drive to make a YouTube video? And also identifying these things that have, like, I call it a magnetic pull that you ne- you kind of, like, need to do them, you know? I don't think many people feel that. I think many people think they feel it and identify this this pull as in work, like I need to complete tasks because that makes you feel good. But if we dig deep and if you can access that, and I'm no, I haven't figured this out yet, of course. I have like some moments, some months where I, I really latch into this. I really know where to, you know, get this energy from. But other times I do like like any normal person who has like some ups and downs, it's not always that clear, you know, but if you have like a a set of routines and that can be eating good, not drinking, waking up early in the morning, working out, getting sunlight, all those things that now are common knowledge. Now this stuff is really common. Everybody now has a toolkit to kind of like work on themselves and like even go deep into their internal feelings, their internal dialogue and everything. Uh, and I think it's great. It's really awesome that now there is so much information out there to talk about these things, to talk about um, how we can better our life in easy ways, easy ways, cost-effective ways, things that we can do daily. Routine is, I mean, it doesn't have to be a set-in-stone routine, but having like some, you know, some blocks that you fit in the day that make a dramatic difference compared to not doing it, I think it can be a very positive force in stopping doing things that are not serving us. Totally. Do you have a meditation practice? So um, here's a here's a crazy thing. I I come from a family that is absolutely well. My, my mother's religious, but she stopped when she was young. My dad has never been religious. Um, but the more I went deep, 
after stopping drinking, after doing many of the things I've done, the more I, f- I really feel that there is like a source, a universe or something, some force above us. And my meditation is every single morning. It's, it, it doesn't have a set time. It doesn't have a set position in that I'm in. But it is fundamentally like for even just 10 seconds really recognizing that this source, this universe is with me and it's on my side. So I thank this. Nice. Like for 10 seconds, one minute, sometimes it's three minutes. So it, it it's totally depends on the day. But it is something that you really, I mean, personally what I do is I really focus deeply on this connection because I, I really feel it. I can feel it. And I can feel it. It benefits my day. So it's like I clear my mind just by th- thinking, okay, I, this force is on my side. Everything is good. And then the, and then the day can start. <laughs> but it's not a formal meditation. I don't sit down. I don't. I, I view like cycling can be a bit of a meditation. Even though it's not like static, you reach some really meditative states. Like, especially if you do it at, at the intensity for ultra endurance, you really reach some moments in that you cannot access, in my, in my opinion, just by sitting down. Because it is a combination of the heart rate and the brain really quieting. And Huberman also talks about this. It's like a phenomenon where when you are cycling or running, basically your eyes can't take in everything else. They can't take all of what is going on around. So they narrow the vision. And you focus on less stuff. And this actually quiets the mind. It quiets all the, the chatter in the brain. Like, i got to do this. Or tomorrow i got to do that. Or that guy uh, answered to me. I got, I got that shitty comment on the on video. That just disappears. <laughs> that disappears. And, and I personally, I feel in those moments is when a lot of questions that I ask myself that don't have an answer. In those moments, the answer comes clear. This is what you need to do. Even on banal stuff, like I need to choose between two backpacks that I need to buy for my camera. Oh, I don't know which one to buy. When I'm, when I'm in that moment, in that like flow state, the answer comes. It just comes like, and there is no questioning it. It's like, this is the answer. So I view that a bit of, as, a, as a meditation, even though I know it's a bit of a cop-out for many people. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I mean... <clears throat> what about you? Do you do, you do this, like something like that? Uh, yeah, I have um, I also have the exercise definitely mm. kind of when I'm working out, particularly outdoor endurance yeah. stuff. I don't. I think I think I think it is meditative because mm-hmm. the mind does calm, and I think that I wouldn't call it a cop out, but I think that it is a different benefit than an intentional meditation. Yeah, I agree someone does breath work or does like a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know people who will you like, I think there's a big correlation between like corporate men and yeah. endurance exercise. Yeah. Those things kind of like, go together <laughs> <and> <laughs> can I say something of like corporate people? Yeah. 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 Because I've, I've studied this really deeply. There's two ways to approach endurance, in my opinion. One is as an escape. Yep. You can literally use it as an escape, as a stress reliever, as a, as a way to like balance everything out. If you lead a very stressful life, it can be like um, uh, an, an escape uh, valve for like steam. I don't know what you would call it, but yeah. it's a distraction, basically. You're running away from stuff. And it's, keeping a, and it's keeping your life in balance. And the second way, which is personally what I really try and strive to do, is it can be moving towards things, confronting things, using these moments where you access like a quieter mind to address important stuff. That's because I see so many people stop drinking ultramarathons. And in a lot of cases, it's just substituting one thing for the next. In, yeah. yeah, in my opinion, you need to wake up and not have to do anything to feel good. That is that the is huge. that is the thing. You don't need to do anything to feel good. You need to wake up and all you need is the fact that you literally are alive. All the rest is tools that can help you enhance your life. 
but it has to be a choice. It doesn't, it can't be something that you need to do to feel good. Otherwise, it's always the same thing. You're just switching out what you are using, you know? So I, yeah, I, I, like I, I see it a bit as, as that. A lot of people I, think. I love, yeah, I've seen people do both, and I, I think you're spot yeah. on. Yeah. Because a lot of people say, ah, oh, you just ride your bike all day. Bro, I, I don't. It's just that I'm not posting I'm not posting videos of me like editing at the computer. Like that would be so boring, but that is literally like I don't know, eight eight hours a day, six, seven hours a day. That's what my life is, but I'm i I'm not posting it. All you see is like the cycling because that is like way more interesting, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, you've just uh you stopped drinking, now you just uh, ride your bike. Man, it's so not true. So so not true. All the people who say, Ah, my girlfriend left me, now I no, uh, I'm so glad I have cycling. Uh, I just do that because it, it helps me deal with it. But it's always like a bit of escapism. It's not, it helps me deal with it because while I'm on the bike, I'm focusing on what I did wrong, what happened. It's always like a distraction, you know? Nothing wrong with it. I think it's just, it, it just needs to be clear. There's nothing wrong with it. Like there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. It, it just, the fact is being clear with what you want, what your goals in life are, and if that thing is helping you, if it's helping you, go for it. I hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you. To get involved in the conversation, you can send me an email contact at bronouveau.com or find me on Instagram at bronouveaupod. Please share this episode out with someone who you think will enjoy it and you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube and search Bro Nouveau Podcast. Enjoy. What you're touching on is that our habits, good or bad, unless we know the underlying motivations, are just covering up. So whether it's an exercise habit or a drinking habit or a work habit or a travel habit or a shopping habit, eating, you know, it can be positive or negative, but unless we ever identified the drivers behind why we do that and what kind of feeling we're trying to escape from or to achieve, then it's it's still kind of hollow. Because if we're escaping something, then it's like cool. Like we can give ourselves a pat in the back because it's exercise, not drinking. But yeah, <laughs> we're still running away from something that it's not that much better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not that it's yeah. not much better, but it's it can be so much more. You know what what we are already doing, it can become so much more. Like the exercise. You are already doing, if you, if you can direct it and use it as a tool towards advancing your life, identifying, not escaping yourself, but identifying things you want and saying, okay, this thing will help me do this. I think it can be so much more. Cycling can be so much more than exercise and burning calories. And it's, it's really an amazing thing. And also running, running is like, uh, it's an amazing thing, but not just because of the physical benefits and not because of relieving stress those are maybe the parts of it the great parts of it but it just has this potential to be so much more to elevate your life so much more in my opinion and in my experience to be honest mm-hmm. so how, how did it go socially for you once you stopped drinking so um, well what I did was I did not tell anyone I'd stopped drinking because I'd already failed in the past I'd already done this in the past and I'd failed so this time, it was actually a huge mental shift because I was always a big talker. But 90% of the things I would do, I would say I would not do, basically. But in that moment, I got this really clear vision that I just need to keep this for myself. This needs to be for myself. Nobody needs to know this. Only I need to know this. And my girlfriend knew this. Not even my parents knew And I didn't tell anyone. And I just did it. I just did it. I kept on doing my normal life. So going out in the evening with everybody, um, at work, normal, just normal life. I just didn't drink. And 
instead of saying, oh, I don't drink, and make it, because it makes the situation a bit uncomfortable for the people around you. But it's not on them. It's on, it's on you because you are the one who has identified a problem. They don't have the problem. Or they might have it, but it's, it's there. They need to deal with it. You can't do anything for them, basically. So situations would become not really that uncomfortable because people didn't know that I'd really stopped drinking. But it would be a, a bit, you know, oh, uh, you want to be a... No, I'll have a, I'll have a water instead. Uh, I would just make up excuses, like I have to wake up early tomorrow morning. I just try to make the situations less uncomfortable as possible. Um, but the thing is, over the course of time, I, I realized that all these situations in which alcohol was there, I had no desire to be in those situations, like zero. I had no desire to go out in the evening. It was just, I, I so much preferred to wake up early in the morning. And progressively, this meant that my interests changed. And as time went on, I got very into, like, I discovered this podcast called the, the Rich Roll Podcast. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's really famous. And basically, prior to discovering that podcast, I know this might sound really stupid, but prior to discovering that podcast, I had never been exposed to people who were leading their lives in a purposeful, sober, athletic, sport-driven, wellness-driven life. I had never been exposed to that. And when I discovered this podcast, it was like I, I, I entered this library full of books of people who had done incredible things. And I was really drawn to this. I was like excited by these people making the world a better place, sharing their story. And I aligned really a lot with all that was being shared in that podcast. Uh, and progressively, I realized that it, I had no... I wasn't excited to go out in the evening. I wasn't excited to basically spend time with the people I'd spend time with. And to be honest, once I stopped uh, going to those situations, so many people didn't didn't basically talk to me. They didn't ring me anymore. They didn't... Like, I, I had... Even without proclaiming that I'd stopped drinking, I had become a bit of a social pariah, you know? People wouldn't, wouldn't text me or anything because they thought I, you know... I wouldn't be fun, maybe in a situation. I don't know. And to be honest, these if are, I could go these back, are people that you had known for a long time, long time, long, long time. This is people, your hometown we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who I'd worked with, skateboarded with, people who I'd worked with in nightlife with. Um, but to be honest, if if I could go back, I would make, uh, I would I would make people more aware of what I was doing. But I would have changed my communication. I think a lot of this was due to my lack of communication because I went deep into the rabbit hole of ritual and, and that kind of, you know, the wellness sphere mm-hmm. and purpose-driven life. And I didn't explain this to the other guys. So the other guys, they were living a very different reality than me. Like my reality was you need to make the world a better place. Money doesn't matter. Nothing matters unless you have your health unless you're making the world a better place, unless you feel good, nothing else matters. Like the thought of doing another corporate ad to me was absolutely meaningless. I had no excitement to do that anymore. And being that that was all the sphere I was in because I was in advertisement basically as a, as a video maker, I completely lost, lost interest in that, but that was on me and I didn't communicate it to the other guys. And probably I didn't make, uh, what I was doing exciting enough for them because maybe they had other interests. So when I started exercising, when I started moving my body a bit, when I really went deep into like uh, plant-based eating and how that made me feel, and that was the moment where I really lost completely all interest in anything that wasn't like health-driven, you know? That is the moment that I really thought, I don't want to do that anymore. And it made no sense for me to engage in those situations. So I basically lost... Not like I, I don't speak to anyone basically from that sphere anymore, maybe for some jobs or stuff, but we don't go out anymore together or anything. And I completely changed. I completely changed my, uh, my social circle. Now it's more like sport driven, sport related. Um, but it's very hard in Italy. It's very hard in, especially in Turin. Like I literally don't know a single person who is like similar to me in Turin. 
I need to go to Bali, like or places like that, to meet people who who are like aligned with what I do. It's a pretty crazy thing. Like here in Turin, it's and that's that's the big reason why I did my YouTube channel in English because I needed to I needed to create uh, a community that was global because I knew that in Italy I couldn't do it because there's just there aren't enough people. So I needed to both share the message, but also to you know make people who have similar interests align. And I knew that on a global on a global basis, it would have been a lot easier because the probability of finding people who aligned with my new interests was greater. And that is a, a big thing in the first, especially in the first period when you stop drinking. I found that to be the hardest part: not having anyone close to you who could be a guiding light. You know that is very hard. You need to do that, every, and I'm glad it happened because I, I did everything on my own. So it's something that I draw great inspiration from. But it was very hard. I mean, having someone in real life you could talk to, it would have made a big difference, I think. Or even if just my friends had like shown any type of support towards this choice I made. That was a big thing that really, really struck, struck me. As in, nobody said ever even one single word of support. No one. Not even one person. And that is something that, yeah... Because yeah. I don't know, I don't know the, what the reason was, but no one ever said "great choice." <laughs> do Do you think it was because they didn't, like you were saying, they didn't really understand? I think one hundred percent. I think if I had made my my motives clearer for why I, I had stopped drinking, I think at least some of them would have got on board with it, and they would have understood the choice. You know, dude, you should uh, you should you should connect with the the ones you think are the real ones, man. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, um, it's it's great now that I've had this arc of time to like progress and evolve and everything. And now I do. I have actually reconnected with some of them, like making more of a, um, an effort from my part, because my thought was, if people want to hang out with me, they'll text me, which is true. It should be that way, and in some cases, it was that way. But I mean, sometimes it's it's good to make the first step, you know. For sure. Mm -mm. And also explain this thing about explaining, explaining the motivations and communicating. Communicating is a, a big skill in all of this. Yeah. Also, sorry, I shouldn't tell you what to do. I'm just no, 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 no. I think it's uh, it's great advice, and actually, it's something that I've been thinking about ever since I came back uh, this summer. Absolutely. Also, because right. the, the past is the past. You know, people will change. Everybody changes. Uh, so yeah, who knows? Sure. You know. Yeah, and, and I think it's kind of like a a interesting thing because it leaves you in this like it's your hometown so it probably i would imagine it could feel very isolating because it's like this is where i grew up like where are my homies at yeah i made this change but but also they're still there so yeah <laughs> you know, the ones who you think are like the most solid and who are the most empathetic and you know the ones you trust the most are probably the ones who can you can kind of like reconnect with absolutely yeah i totally agree with this uh, as far as feeling isolated, I think yes, but um, I think I, I did a very good job of ha uh, connecting online with people who I really, really respect and who really were big inspirations and managing to connect with them was a big, big help, big help. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing all that. I think that story for the people listening who are, you know, struggling with drinking or thinking about making a change, hopefully kind of showed them, you know, how you did it and the path forward and, you know, what a successful alternate lifestyle yeah. <laughs> could look like. <laughs> Wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Like, absolutely. I love it. I love it so much. I love being, like, present every moment. It's you. You can rely on yourself. I really, really, I really love it. And that's the thing. I just, I, don't, I never try and push it on anyone. I just say you got to experience it for yourself. You got to experience, like maybe you were experiencing it. I don't know. Maybe it's being the, being the worst experience of your life, but maybe not. <laughs> but I say, just say go for it. Go for it. Like commit to I don't know ten days a month. Just see how you feel. See how you think. See see how you go about your life. You know, it doesn't need to be drastic. In my opinion, if you don't have a problem with alcohol, you can easily like go in and out. So if you are in like social situations, you can easily like drink something. It's no, it's no big deal. But 
it, that's on you. Everybody is unique. Everybody has their own personal journey and their own personal uh, best things to do, best practices. So I just say experience it. Experiencing it is the only way you will ever tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Amen, bro. The, the other thing we talk about a lot on the you know Bro Nouveau podcast uh-huh. is masculinity, communication. You know, you're someone who's obviously spent a lot of time in reflection. So what do you what do you think the path forward for masculinity is because I don't know, at least here in the US right now there's this huge culture war about you know the progressives are pushing a more inclusive more you know inclusive is the word. it's just more considerate is the way I look yeah, at yeah. it it's just being more considerate of other people and like acknowledging that we live in a patriarchy and you know for if you're a white guy of privilege, like <laughs> other yeah, people yeah. have very experienced than that. And then, and the kind of like changing the mindset there, the other side is much more like, uh, men are, you know, being castrated yeah. these changes, and men are weak and, and, um, they're being encouraged to be, um, not in their power. And I, th- I think there's truth in both personally, but for you, you know, in your observations of, of the culture you're in, what do you think are the changes that could be made to make men a better force overall? I know it's a very big question, but I think, I think the the best thing that could ever happen to make men a more positive force in the world would be to have more presence. Men need to be really in tune with, with their inner self. That's what I think. And that means being strong. You can't be weak. You have to be strong. But strong doesn't mean being violent or being aggressive. Strong be- means having the resources to to be a positive force in the world. And that can mean a lot of different things. But for me, certainly it isn't violence and it isn't all that kind of stuff. But what is missing, and, and one of the reasons why so many social situations uh, have alcohol in them is because people aren't really comfortable being themselves. So... That would be what I, what I would say, like being comfortable in your own skin and being proud of who you, who you are, being strong is very important. And I would, I would encourage everyone to just spend more time being present, being more time getting to know yourself. Because if you know yourself, you can act upon your strengths and your weaknesses. You can better your weaknesses. And I believe you can, you can stand for what you believe in. And what I believe in is well, freedom for everyone and uh, just yeah, cultivate, cultivating more presence, more presence, more authenticity, more um, – because if – I mean nobody ever wishes bad on another human, I, I believe. Like if you are standing in real life with someone who is getting hurt or something, I don't think it's something that anybody would wish. So connecting with that, like even empathy, but masculinity, I mean, it's important to stand, to stand your ground, to be strong. That's, uh, that's what I believe. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because even like taking away person-to-person interactions, I think the way we've been conditioned is to think about like stand your ground or being strong is in, in the sense of a conflict with other people. Mm-hmm. but. I feel like it's even more apt discussing like resisting societal influences or Mm. resisting expectations or resisting traditions that don't align. You know, that takes strength. You know, what you did of changing your lifestyle and then kind of forging a new path, you know, takes strength, right? And it's nothing to do with a physical altercation. It's more, it's really all internal. Absolutely. Yeah. And it all comes down to knowing yourself and to knowing what you want. If you know what you want, and it can change, it can change every month, every year, every day, it can change what you want. But I believe some things are sacred. I mean, personally, the only thing that I want is health. Health is the most important thing because if you don't have that, you literally have nothing. You can have you can have five billion dollars in the bank, but if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So. That's that's what I would say, yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. Step one. Step one. <laughs> Longevity. 
Yeah, identifying the most basic things because they are the most overlooked. People think you need to buy Bugattis, but literally the only thing you need to to is to be able to walk. You know that is that's the fundamental thing. Like if you have that, you can build upon that. And I'm not saying, oh, uh, I mean because it doesn't have value. Health doesn't have value because everybody has it. Basically, it's not until you get sick that it gets valued. You know what? You know what I mean? It's like, but in reality, it is the most amazing thing of them all. It's it's incredible. Like the human body is incredible, and once you like take, um, you understand that, and you take ownership on it, I think it can be a great, a great, a great shift in how we lead our life. I mean, that's what happened to me, basically. I love it. Yeah, it's it, we live in a time of uh, like an information renaissance with health, and it's yeah, with it definitely, particularly because, but also with health mm. and. Anyone who wants to and who has internet access can really get a like golden libraries of information yeah. about this stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's free to access. It's it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. It's it really is amazing. Yeah. Awesome, Patrick. Well, where can uh, the good people find your work and your uh, you know your content? Where would you like to direct people? I would say the best thing would be YouTube. So Patrick Dorenzi on YouTube and Instagram, it's the same thing. Just the name. <laughs> awesome. Thomas, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure to meet you. And, uh, you too. for sharing your story. And uh, you're killing it, man. Good luck with, with the message you're getting out there. It's, it's definitely inspirational. Thank you so much, Thomas, and you too. Thank you so much for having me.